This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got a great group of guests for you. We're going to hear from Steve Garvey. We're going to hear from Bradford Doolittle of ESPN.com. Lou Merloni, former big leaguer and now a talk show host on WEEI in Boston, the flagship station for the Boston Red Sox. And then our buddy, our pal, one of the best in the business. He works for the Oakland A's as a scout, does television for NBC California, Shooty Babbitt. But we're going to lead off with a man who was a World Series champion in 1981. NL MVP in 1974, a two-time NLCS MVP, a 10-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, and won the Roberto Clemente Award. He was one of the top guys when I was growing up. He's a great player. And bring him on to talk a little bit about the Dodgers and the scandals going on in baseball. Here is the great Steve Garvey. Our next guest here on A's Cast Live holds the National League record for most consecutive played games. He's a 10-time All-Star, a World Series champion, a National League MVP, four-time Gold Glover, and one of the great guys in our game. Steve Garvey joins us. Steve, thank you for coming on the program again. Again. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. You know, when I think of great teams and some of the great teams you're on, you guys had a lot of stars, and it's Los Angeles, and you can look at the Lakers, you can look at the Dodgers. It's a town driven by stars. How big was it for Dodger Blue to get Mookie Betts? Oh, I think, you know, when you're owned by a hedge fund and, you know, you've had great success over the last you know, half a dozen years, except for, you know, winning it all. Um, and they've, you know, consistently with Guggenheim's uh, ownership improved all areas of, of the franchise. And uh, the ability to spend a few dollars and cents and adding a quality player here and there. And everybody was concerned, well, you know, they, they, uh, they're trying to stay under the threshold again, and maybe they feel comfortable with the talent they have. But, but I think that I always thought that they were looking for that one, Piece that they thought that could put them over the top, and and this is it, you know. And had a few hiccups the last week or so, but I always thought the deal was going to go through. And they've got a Gold Glove outfield and a pretty solid team and depth in starting. And you know, the bullpen's always going to be nobody's ever going to be completely satisfied with their bullpen. But I think all in all, going into spring training, of course, beginning of 2020, they're in uh, they're in good shape. They're well positioned for the long season, but it's a, a tale of two seasons. You know, um, 
is the first 162, and then it's October. So, um, you know, it should be very exciting throughout baseball this year. Not be riff of a few controversies here and there, but maybe it puts us on the front page for a change. <laughs> hey, 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 Steve, these controversies, you know, not only the big money spent in free agency, but these controversies really gave us something to talk about this offseason. You know, it's a battle for uh, for airtime nowadays. You know, there's so much media out there. and You know, we've been squeezed by, you know, basketball and, and now the emergence of more airtime in hockey and the NFL. Everybody's trying to push the other guy off, like I said before, the, the pages of the sports and once in a while the front page. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to be free of the potential of having a controversy. And uh, in our case, you never want it to be the depth of cheating. But uh, on the other hand, there's always a reevaluation that comes with, uh, uh, with something like this. You know, and all sports have their challenges. Now it's how do you address it and how you move on and learn from it. And I think baseball will do that. You know, a lot of talk about the Houston Astros and the cheating. A.J. Hinch talked on Friday. This big article that's just come out in the Wall Street Journal, uh, more in-depth that we learn about it. And, you know, Steve, this past weekend I was down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T, and Justin Verlander was playing there. The owner, Jim Crane, was playing and I can tell you, you could hear people from the gallery yelling at Justin Verlander, you cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like at a ballpark? Oh, Lord. You know, I mean, you know, and I've done some interviews and I've, I've mentioned, you know, I don't want to deal with the minutia. Uh, I don't really know the inner workings, but I do know. The thing that I'm most disappointed in is the, the lack of respect for our national pastime, the integrity of the game, and that the, you know, and now the Red Sox has mentioned to that, who knows where that'll go, but that the top teams think that they, that they can get away with something, you know, and, uh, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, you know, you can always see the guy that's struggling and he's, he's trying to find a way to do it and you know, cut the corner here or there. He tried to do this or that. But these are the top teams uh, with an awful lot of money that don't have to do that. It goes back to the steroid era. You know, you look at the guys that were the premier guys during this. Have to do it. Uh, whether it was ego or whether it was uh, fantasy or, you know, pick any one of the adjectives that, that serves the individual you're thinking about. There wasn't a need to do it. You know, and it's, this wonderful national pastime, and nobody can say that, but, uh, doesn't need or shouldn't tolerate anybody who thinks they're above the game. And, and when you're above the game, you're, you know, you, you're speaking, you're above the rest of America also. You know, Steve, getting back to the Dodgers and Mookie Betts, you know, it's so rare that you see a big market team, a big money team, trade away arguably the second best player in the game. I know the Dodgers are going to take on David Price. If he's healthy, he can still give you innings. They reworked the deal, but that's just a rarity to get a guy of Mookie Betts's caliber at that age, too, still really in right in the middle of his prime. Well, you know, I call it a lease to own. You got one year, and... Uh... I'm quite sure there'll be negotiations throughout the year, but there is a tendency by the premier handful of players uh, and the agents to, to take it on the open market, you know, a free market. God bless America. 
It's blind man. Uh, and be able to go out there and see who really wants to step up. Start with Bryce Harper and Machado and, of course, Mike Trout stayed with the Angels. But uh, I'm quite sure that the Dodgers will do everything they, they can to to make this a honeymoon that uh, could potentially turn into a to a long marriage. You know, recently on this show, we started talking about greatest infields of all time. And the Yankees came up from 09 when you look at the star power of Teixeira, Cano, Jeter, A-Rod. And then I, I, I had to bring up your infield. I mean, when you think of Ron Say, you think of Russell, you think of Davey, you think of yourself – what an incredible infield you guys had. And one of the reasons why not only are you guys great athletes, but you stayed together for years. Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you, you can pick you can pick infields that may have done it for a couple of years, but when you look at eight and a half years together and the number of you know championships and World Series we went to and all star games combined by the players and, and longevity and, and uh and durability and consistency. It's the greatest infield in history, and uh, and you can and again you can pick the Oriole infield back when it was uh, Belanger and Boo Powell and Robinson and a number of guys, but you know they they didn't play together for eight and a half years, and you know we were the foundation of uh, what I call the golden era in Dodger baseball in L.A. at least, and that was from '73 to '83. So uh, you know I mean when you start talking talking about great infields, you you can talk about short term, but in terms of long term longevity, consistency, durability, and success, I mean, our infield was was the best of all time. Steve, we always appreciate your time. We know you got an event. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon here in 2020. Don't forget me now. Let's do it early in the season. I can't forget you, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve I, I still have the photo. Do you remember they put out the photo that you signed when you hit that big home run off Lee That's Smith? It was three different pictures. Right. I still have yes, that, yeah, by the way. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the best. And it's a perfect example of how to take the high fastball the other way. Guys don't do that anymore. <laughs> You're the best, Steve. Be well. You're letting me be old here. You're letting me be an old guy. So thank you. <laughs> well, you're a great. Thank <laughs> you so care. much. Always great having on the Garv. Bradford Doolittle from ESPN.com stopped by A's Cast Live, and he recently ranked the the starting lineups and the firepower of all these great teams, and the A's were in there in the top ten. And also talking about the Astros, here's Bradford Doolittle. Bradford Doolittle joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Bradford, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, and I and I was just telling the story about if we're wondering how the Astros are going to get treated, um, I'll give you an idea. I was down at Pebble Beach this weekend at the AT&T where Justin Verlander and Jim Crane were both playing in it, and uh, I only saw Verlander for two holes, and on both the holes, people are yelling cheater at him. So if you're getting heckled at a golf tournament, can you imagine what it's going to be like when you get to the regular season? Well, if, uh, if baseball ever felt like it needed a, a, a baseball version of the Oakland Raiders, I think they have finally found it. Yeah, that, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, when I think about what came out in the Wall Street Journal, I don't know if you got to read it. I don't know if you know about the uh, Jeffrey Leno's brother is actually works for the Wall Street Journal. What did you think about that, that article and, and all of its contents? 
Well, it just it raises more questions, you know, just when you think you're to the point that we're we're ready to move forward and, and get on with the 2020 season. Um, now it suddenly seems like uh, even after all of the investigating that MLB did, that there are perhaps more layers to this. And um, that's disappointing, you know, but uh, I don't know if MLB is going to look into that. Um, I haven't seen that they've addressed it publicly. Uh, but, you know, right now the, the commissioner's report stands that it was a player-driven and player-executed scheme. Um, this report sh- certainly makes it seem like it went a little deeper than that. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, the story just seems to evolve like every few days. Yeah, and I, right before you came on, I was talking about transparency, and I just I, I don't feel like we're getting that with Houston. I doubt we're going to get it with Boston, and I don't think we have gotten it with the baseball from last year, whether it's the baseball that was used in season versus the baseball used in the postseason. I just don't think there's been a lot of transparency for the fans. Yeah, I mean, I miss some of this, like especially with the baseball. I mean, I think that's just – kind of a, a mystery to the the officials at baseball themselves. You know, I don't think they really understood why the ball was behaving differently. And I don't think they understood why it, you know, why it behaved one way during the regular season and then seemed to uh, play differently when we got to October. So, you know, it, it, they, they tried to be transparent with the report they released on the Astros. They, they were very detailed in it and, and talked about everything that they went through and so that I thought was a step in the right direction because they don't have a great track record of being transparent on these things. But then when you get a report like what came out in the Wall Street Journal, it does raise questions that, you know, is, is there, are there things that they failed to look at? Or are there things that they maybe got um, a glimpse of and, and, and didn't, you know, make that public. So, you know, like I said, it's a story that keeps evolving. And, and I think uh, there's going to be more news breaking in this as we go along. What do you think happens with the Boston Red Sox? Do you think they get a stiffer penalty than the Astros because they'll be second second time offenders? Uh, well, I, I think the key figure in this is probably going to be Alex Cora because of his involvement over two different teams in this kind of activity. Um, you know, it really depends on the nature of what they find. I think Alex Cora is going to end up getting – hit even harder than uh, A.J. Hinch did in terms of not only being suspended for this coming season, but maybe for uh, even longer than that. I don't think he'll get kicked out of baseball, but, um, you know, I think the hammer is going to come down on him pretty hard. Uh, the commissioner said last week that no, no players on the Red Sox are going to be penalized with whatever findings they come up with. So, um, you know, I think we'll see something similar. Maybe uh, the, the, the Red Sox will be hit even harder with, in terms of uh, draft pick penalty or a reduction of their international um, spending pool. Um, I'm sure they'll get fined the, the maximum $5 million that the commissioner can levy against the franchise. Um, but I would think it would just end up looking very similar to what happened to the Astros, assuming that, you know, the, the investigation – confirms what has been rumored about them. Bradford Doolittle from ESPN joins us here on A's Cast Live. And uh, speaking of A.J. Hinch, you did the interview with Tom Verducci on MLB Network. What did you think of that interview? Well, I thought uh, I thought A.J. did what he needs to be doing to sort of move things forward and heal the wounds. Um, and, 
you know, that was sort of undermined by the fact that that Wall Street Journal report came out just literally minutes before uh, that telecast went national. I'm sure that was no coincidence. Um, but, you know, he accepted responsibility, no matter how Verducci tried to to uh, introduce different tangents to the conversation. Um, AJ kept bringing it back on himself that no matter what happened, he was the manager. It happened on him, his watch. He feels responsible. He regrets that he didn't do anything about it. It's still hard, really, for me to understand why, if, if he hated what was happening so much that he was actually going after equipment, that he didn't hold a club meeting and say, hey, knock this stuff off right now. We're not going to have it. This is not what we're going to be about. But, um, you know, I think he he did he's doing what he needs to do in terms of accepting responsibility and you know, now he's going to have a year off to uh, to learn his lessons. Yeah, now we're hearing the pitchers, the former Astros apologize, which I don't think they have to apologize. Uh, you know, I, I, Dallas Keuchel or Charlie Morton, I don't want to hear from them. I don't care what they really have. I mean, I, this is about the Astros hitters, and they've really gone dark. And the and the longer they they don't come out and say anything, the more the information comes out. The worse and worse it gets. We're hearing this started in 2016. This was being implemented through parts of 2018. That it was happening not only at home, but it was happening on the road. Uh, do you think that do you think the Astro the Astros hitters are not doing themselves any justice by by going dark and not owning any of this? I, I do think it's uh, it's just going to make things worse for themselves as we go forward. I mean, they, they need to not only uh, come out and apologize in you know sort of an obligatory way that sometimes you see in in a at the end of a scandal, but in a very honest and contrite way. Um, part of what could be going on is the commissioner did not specify which players were and were not involved, or if they all were involved, or you know. It, and if one guy that's I'm, I'm just using this as a hypothetical example, but say Alex Bregman comes out and say, I'm really sorry for all this that happened, then people are going to think that he was a ringleader or, or, you know, participated in this more heavily than anybody else, which we don't know. So that could be playing into it. The fact that the commissioner didn't specify which players were involved and maybe that's making some of them hesitant to, to speak up, but they do need to come up and make, whether it's as a group or as individuals, make an apology, express some remorse, and um, only then can we start to move forward. It's not like people are going to let them off the hook at that point, um, but it's a stubborn group, and I don't know. I honestly don't know uh, what's going to happen, but their owner said they were going to apologize. When the guy signing the paycheck says you're going to apologize, I have to believe that it's going to come at some point. You had a fun article earlier this year, and the title was Way Too Early 2020 MLB Starting Lineup Rankings. Number one, you had Houston. Number two, you had Dodgers. But the Dodgers lineup has just has just changed a little bit with Mookie Betts. Uh, uh, would that change? Would you flip now the Dodgers and the Astros now that Mookie will be playing right field for the Dodgers? Yeah, I actually just came out with an update, not on the whole lineup rankings, but just uh, the Dodgers have jumped over Houston for the top lineup of the majors, and I have a, a new piece out today that goes into the reasons for that. You know, you take one of the best lineups in baseball that if 
they didn't really have any real weaknesses, but they weren't as good, you know, in terms of batting average and strikeout percentage and team speed as they were in, you know, in total power and, and, you know, walks and that kind of thing. Those are all the things that Mookie Betts is great at. So you take one of the best lineups in the majors, you add one of the best players in the majors, you know, it's he's one of the few people that they could acquire and actually get better, but they've done that, and they do have, in my opinion, the best lineup in the major leagues now. For our Oakland A's, you rank the A's sixth, and really the only question in the lineup is who is going to be at second base for the A's. And, you know, that's a great problem to have going into spring training. You're only worried about second base. Talk about what you see with the athletics lineup. There's a lot of firepower there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tremendous amount of firepower. There's a lot of guys that either are right in their prime or just entering their prime, so you feel real confident in their track records. Um, you know, they have some some genuine stars in, in Olsen and Chapman and Simeon, and they have power up and down the lineup. I mean, they, they have seven guys at least that can project to hit 20 or more homers, several guys with 30. If Chris Davis bounces back, they could have two or three guys with 40 and if they find you know an everyday answer at second base it's a lineup where you 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 can't take any at bats off you're gonna have to concern yourself with the long ball with no matter who's coming up to the plate and it's a very disciplined team strikeout rates a little high but you know that's kind of the a's you know that's the a's approach you know uh uh take and rake and um they do it extremely well so i think it's it's going to be one of the the most potent offensive units in the league and that's before you even get in talking about how good this group is defensively. And then I think about the Angels, who uh, you have fourth on the list. I, I'm sorry I haven't seen the new list. I'm going out the old one. But you got them at four. And I just wonder, do you really think that the deal between the Dodgers and the Angels is over? Or do you think Jock Peterson will be in that Angels lineup? And if he is in that Angels lineup, how does that change for you, the Angels? Well, um, Right now, I don't have Jock Peterson in, in the numbers, so that number four ranking is, is prior to that trade, and it, it really wouldn't have changed much if they had gotten him. Um, I haven't heard anything to, to indicate that that's going to be revived, the, the, the Jock going from the Dodgers to the Angels. It creates an awful playing time crunch for, for Peterson with the Dodgers, and they also, you know, right now, when the, the, the deals uh, with – Minnesota and Boston go official. The Dodgers are going to have 42 guys on their 40-man roster, so something's going to have to happen. They do have some guys lower on the pecking order that they can that they can cut. But uh, um, you know, for the Angels, I almost think it's a mixed blessing if uh, they end up not getting Peterson, and it's only because they have one of the top two or three prospects in baseball, an outfielder, Joe Adele. He doesn't have any major league experience. As yet, he's extremely toolsy, and maybe they want to take it uh, slow with him and not rush him along. But I really like the idea because we've seen guys um, just sort of burst onto the the scene the last few years. You know, they come into the major leagues and they're just they're ready to jump right into stardom. Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna and guys like that. Adele has that kind of talent. Now, whether he's ready to make the same kind of leap, you know, it's it's hard to say. If you acquire Peterson, you're almost blocking. Adele's opportunity, and I kind of like the idea of them using stopgap players at an outfield spot, and if Adele's ready um, later on this season, they can plug him right in, and that gives the team even more upside than they already have. 
Good stuff, Bradford. We appreciate it. We'll be calling you soon, and uh, baseball is right around the corner. Uh, I am, I'm glad to hear it. I'm gl- I'll be glad when we can just talk about baseball again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Thanks so much. Anytime, guys. Well, much of the talk lately has been about Mookie Betts and David Price being moved from the Boston Red Sox to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Lou Merloni, former Red Sox, former big leaguer, and now does a show in Boston on WEEI. That's the flagship station for the Red Sox. Stop by to talk about Mookie Betts. Lou Merloni, former big leaguer, now works for WEEI, the flagship station for the Boston Red Sox, joins us once again on A's Cast Live. Lou, how are you? I'm doing good, boys. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, and a report has just come out, and I want to get your opinion on it, that baseball yep. might might be thinking about in 2020, after the CBA is up and renegotiated, about expanding the playoffs and having it like a draft, a reality show draft, where the, where the top teams can pick who they want to play in the playoffs. It would be uh, the top team would get a bye. The next three teams would host a three-game wild card. It would just kind of change the way we do the postseason. I don't know if you've seen this article, but, uh, you know, everybody's so afraid of change in baseball, but maybe change is something and really kind of a little bit of a kick in the ass baseball needs to help get a younger generation following the game again. Yeah, I think, I think MLB does need some changes. There's no question about it. I, I would just – MLB sometimes sort of dives into things without really looking at the big picture and then ends up changing rules midsummer because it didn't work. So uh, I, I would just look at it and say, you know, I mean, why seven, maybe six, you know, two teams with a bye and then have that one team choose who they want to play the, the rest of the way out of that. Uh, I question sort of like a motivation. Like if you're, if you're not going to be that number one seed, does it really matter what your record is the best of the, the rest of the way? Um, what benefit is it? So now you're talking about seven teams making the playoffs and maybe one team's got the bye and the other teams are just sort of saying, well, ah, we'll just play out September and rest and get guys going and, so I just I hope that they'd look at and the other thing obviously too is best two out of three right so yeah you go Monday Tuesday Wednesday you know when's when the team with the bye when do they get to play is there a play-in game to get the seventh seed is there a rainout does the team with the bye have to sit an entire week before they have to play baseball so I think it's more complicated I like the idea of change I think they need things like pitching pitch clocks and everything else I just hope they think this one through. We're hearing from the commissioner as of last week that the discipline for the Red Sox will be coming down this week. Have you guys heard anything, and what are your expectations for these sanctions against the Red Sox? I have not heard as far as timing goes. Um, As far as the organization, they seem pretty confident that, you know, that they they didn't do some of the things that they're accused of. Now, we'll see how that thing plays out. We'll see if the commissioner finds anything you know there isn't a Mike Fires out there there isn't videos of banging drums this is about you know finding sources and and telling them more than hey they knew all the signs from every every other team all the catchers and it's like okay well how did they find this how did they get those signs how you know did they do it during the game because that's very important did they have them beforehand through scouting reports or was this some during the game so I think it's I think it's difficult to kind of prove something. If they have something, God bless them. You know, they'll come out with it and they'll pay the price. But I think this is um, sort of a wait and see because they, they, they feel like they didn't do anything. We'll see whether you believe that or not. 
you made the great point last time on the show when we were talking about, you know, hiring a new manager and they don't have a new manager and Ron Rinicky's right there. And, and you said, well, yep. if there's an issue, you'd have to fire him too. And you don't want to fire two managers in one off season. Rumors are now right. Rinicky's going to be the guy. So I'm kind of going, I'm kind of thinking, you know, they believe Rinicky's going to be cleared and they can probably hire him and then they'll have their guy going into spring training. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think they're going to kind of approach it that way, maybe without the official title. And, you know, as long as it's in-house, um, you know, Renicky will run camp like he would if he's the bench coach, maybe with more of a role manager. But really, if it's somebody from outside the organization, man, it is really a short turnaround to get to know your players, get to know the organization, uh, all, all the minor league system, some of the players. So in-house makes a lot of sense. And if they're able to do that, still got to wait for this, you know, obviously the suspensions or whatever might come down, whoever knows what the, what the commissioner's doing. But I just think they want to just play it safe before they officially announce Ron Renicky. but I think I expect him to be the manager. You know, there was a three-way trade that was agreed upon between the Dodgers, <laughs> the Red Sox, and the Twins, and there was a lot of heat, and obviously people in Beantown and New England were not happy about this. So then all of a sudden, Gratterall is a guy that, oh, we're looking at his medicals. We don't like him. And now the Dodgers went, what do you mean? We'll trade for him. Did the deal have to blow up and get redone because of the backlash? And there had to be belief that the Red Sox needed to get more if they were going to trade Mookie Betts. You know, honestly, just being here, I, I have a hard time sort of believing that. Now, listen, this organization is PR conscious. However... I have a hard time believing that they felt like this was going to go over well. You know, it didn't matter what they got in return. They're trading away Mookie Betts, a great player. Um, fans feel like, hey, listen, if he wants $400 million, pay the man $400 million. Other people sit there and say, you know, 12-year deals aren't worth it. So that's sort of a mixed bag. But I just have a hard time believing that they would really kind of squash a deal with PR. They knew that this was not going to be popular. They knew this was going to go wrong. You know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was, and they traded for Drew Pomeranz out in San Diego. A.J. Preller was suspended by Major League Baseball for not properly giving up the medicals. And the Red Sox found out that he needed, you know, um, some kind of surgery on his elbow. And that information was not passed along to, to Boston. They gave up their number one pitching prospect. And they took heat for not re, you know, looking into this deal and saying, okay, Shouldn't they get more? I mean, they, they, they traded for a broken pitcher, and they took heat for that locally. And now it sort of seems like they're getting heat for being cautious. I know they got burned years ago, but I don't know what that medical is. I honestly don't know by looking at a medical if you could tell he's a reliever or a starter. Um, but I just don't think people around here were going to be fine with this deal no matter what they got in return because they love watching Mookie Betts play. Yeah, isn't it you that kind of broke it, broke it down for everybody that – you know, he countered with like a twelve-year, hundred and what, four hundred and twenty million dollar deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've they've tried to sign him, and it, those reports have been reported earlier. There was a hundred million dollar deal, two hundred million dollar deal, but there was an effort to try to get him for ten years around the three hundred million dollar range. And and you know, listen, both sides. You know, the Red Sox don't want to go too far. Mookie Betts bet on himself, and he is going to win. I don't blame him one bit. I don't think that he doesn't like playing in Boston. I think that he does. But he's always approached it as a business in his negotiating contracts. 
And I think he felt the same way. Like, he knows what his value is. And if the Red Sox weren't willing to pay that, then he would go to free agency. And most likely, he'll get close to it. It's just the Red Sox weren't willing to go that far. And because of that, remember, they had guys like J.D. Martinez who could opt in at $25 million. They had Xander Bogarts and Chris Sale who were going to be a free agent. Ovaldi, that was a free agent. And I don't think it's a coincidence that shortly after the you know, talks broke with Mookie Betts, that they re-upped Xander Bogarts to make sure they weren't going to lose him. And they re-upped Chris Sale because they didn't want to lose him in the hopes of waiting this thing out only to find out Mookie went to the highest bidder. So they sort of moved on, I believe. Is there a possibility that Mookie Betts gets into free agency and he's not getting the number he thought he was going to get? Let's say nothing in 400-plus million. Let's say it's 330 or whatever. Is there a possibility yep. the Red Sox could be back in play for him? Well, I think if you go on the on the belief that it's a business and negotiating and he wants to earn top dollar, and if that's the top dollar and the Red Sox feel like, okay, now he's back into the low threes, um, I guess theoretically, yeah, sure, they would be more, they would be involved in it. It's just, it does seem hard to think that, you know, it's tough to believe that you, you trade a player like that away and then you turn around and re-sign him in the offseason. I know the Yankees did it with Chapman, um, but I guess it's still a possibility. And I think about just the bad vibes. I, I can tell you this past weekend I, I was down at the AT&T and Justin Verlander was playing. Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, were playing. And I saw, you know, I followed Verlander for two holes and people were yelling cheater. He was getting heckled a little bit. Just there's going to be a lot of bad vibes. Just tell us as a former player and looking at the Red Sox this year, how tough is it going to be for them? Baseball's hard enough without having a dark cloud over you. Yeah, and I think as far as the Red Sox go, it's, it's you know, we'll see what the commissioner comes up with, and if they found them guilty of it, uh, I do think it's going to be you know a difficult year for those players. Um, you know, Houston Astros as well. I mean, it's given all the stuff that's kind of come out here with the banging of the barrels. I think there will be a lot of teams, a lot of opposing pitchers who have a serious issue with walking into a, uh, you know, a stadium and the guys knowing exactly what's coming. And if the Red Sox approved to do the same thing, I would expect the exact same feeling coming into Fenway Park, you know, and, and whether they sort of try to handle it on the field um, or not is, is one of those let's wait and see what happens. But it's tough. It's tough when you, when you win a World Series and all that comes into question whether it's legit or not. And the players will probably sit there and say it was legit, we're good players, but the bottom line is is that even as you saw from A.J. Hinch the other night, that's up for debate. Let's end on this, Lou. You think about the reporting now where they talked about busting it out in 2016 and then kind of perfecting it in 2017, and then in 2018 they were using it, but they started realizing that people were catching on. I mean, can you imagine as a player doing something like this with the reality, going, not thinking you were going to get caught, with the way people change teams? It's just kind of crazy that you think you can just keep doing it and doing it and that people are not going to find out and you're, and you're not going to get popped. Yeah, and I even felt like uh, AJ the other night when he was presented with a question about the buzzers. And, you know, I, listen, I like AJ. I've known him for a while. But you know, rather than to say I, I believe the commissioner's report, I mean, I thought it was an easy opportunity to say no. 
no, we didn't use the buzzers. And the commissioner looked into it, and he found no evidence of it either. And that was never said. So, you know, it's um, it's difficult. It's tough for those guys to kind of rebound. And meanwhile, the players themselves, as we all know, the ongoing debate, you know, the GM is gone, the manager is gone. Meanwhile, the players are the ones that are still sitting there, the ones, you know, who did benefit, watching all these people around them, you know, being fired, losing their jobs, having a tough time maybe getting back into baseball while the players go about their lives and still make the money they're making. So the whole thing is is not good for the game. It's not good for the organization, and, and we'll see what comes up at the Red Sox. It might not be good for them. Lou, always appreciate the time. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, anytime. No problem. Have a good night. Thanks, Lou. What a wild trade, and the Dodgers, boy, do they got some serious firepower in that lineup when you had a guy like that. Unbelievable. Shooty Babbitt stopped by the program. Well, you know everybody loves Mac Babbitt. Was an A, now he's a scout, works for the Athletics. He's back home with us after years with the Diamondbacks, the Mets, and all these different teams. And, uh, of course, you see Shooty doing A's pre- and post-game live on NBC California. Here is Shooty Babbitt. When I think of integrity... When I think about doing it the right way, there's not a better scout. There's not a better dressed guy on television. And the points he makes are second to none on NBC California on A's pre- and post-game live. I, I've heard from my sources, Ken Korak, he needs to work on his golf game, but Shooty Babbitt is the best in the business. Shooty, how have you been, my friend? Chris Townsend, happy 2020, man. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's starting to warm up a little bit. Um, the flowers are starting to bloom, and you know what time of the year that is, man. So you know spring training is right around the corner, and uh, each day I'm getting more and more excited about the season starting. No doubt. Once the Super Bowl's over and we have the AT&T down at Pebble Beach and it's over, you know it's baseball season, pitchers and catchers. Talk about what your life's like as a big league scout during spring training? Wow. You know, it, the, I, the great part of it is I take a couple of two- or three-day trips uh, during December and January, and that's the first time I start packing and traveling again. And so that's like spring training for me, getting ready, getting all my gear ready. No, I'm going to be re- in the trenches for a whole month down in Arizona. I'll be in backfields. I'll be in big league games. I'll be all over the place in Arizona just trying to unturn a – find a a gym underneath a rock somewhere, find some uh, extra on a roster or find a diamond in the rough. Just keep my ears and my eyes open because every year brings something special, something unknown. Some player takes his game to another level, falls off the map for another organization. You can't rest on what happened in 2018 or 19. Um, It's a brand new season. Uh, The, Everything is washed clean. Everybody gets a new start. And every team thinks that they have an opportunity to be much better than they were the year before. And I have to take the same approach as a scout. Even though I may have a good year as a scout, our club won 97 games last year and came up one game short of going further in the postseason. Our goal is to go further. And my goal is to be a better scout this year and try to make our team even better than it was last year. Isn't it amazing how different teams can look at one player 
and see different things. Like a guy can be in an organization, and that organization really doesn't like him that much to where another organization goes, I love the guy. We got to go get this guy. It's amazing this scouting game and how people evaluate these human beings. It's incredible. I mean, we want to just make a one-year difference. Uh, we knew the value. Uh, we knew what Mark Canna uh, brings to the table as a right-hand hitter and how he's always just crushed left-handed pitching. But he had not established himself as an everyday player. But his value was his versatility for us and the things that he would be able to do. Now, had we not believed in him in the way that we have, and we know that we have 29 other teams that are paying attention to what he's been doing, had we been reluctant to protect him or keep him and um, listen to what other people are saying about him, perhaps not like him like we should, and look at the year that he had last year. Just one more year. Look at the player that Mark Canna turned into. And it wasn't bad. It's just a little feather in his hat. I think he did win backflip of the year. So that lets you know he's doing a whole lot of pimping at home plate for sure. You <laughs> mentioned the word versatility. And now with that extra roster spot, if you can play multiple positions, it's just that – that guy in baseball has become so more valuable because we're still going to have these big bullpens. And, and if you give me flexibility for a skipper like Bob Melvin, you can play the infield, you can play the outfield, you can play all over. Man, do we need more guys like that. You know, I used to think that one thing that a lot of clubs took for granted is the importance and the value of having a couple of switch hitters on your team because what that does, is it create issues for the manager later on in the game and it forces him to make some decisions based on matchups and what he has in the bullpen coming in and what's sitting on the bench. But now with the new rules of the pitchers, once they start, they have to complete an inning and all this different types of stuff. It's changed the dynamic and you're definitely going to have to have more guys down in that bullpen to compensate for not being able to have a specialist because you can't afford to keep specialists down there. So now you've got a, a position player who's not just a switch hitter, but a guy that can play all over, a guy like uh, even Mark Canna, but Chad Pender is probably, you know, Tony Phillips' knockoff type. He's just the kind of guy that you can put in anywhere, and he can help you, and he probably could play every day for a lot of teams in a certain position. So, yeah, the value has definitely increased, and I don't think you can have enough of those guys on your team. Now, don't get me wrong. You need carriers. If you're going to win, if you're going to make it to that next level as far as playoffs are concerned, you're going to need those big boppers. You're going to need those stars. But when you have a significant uh, roster of guys that make a, a solid contribution and you know what you're going to get from those guys, that's when their value really increases. So the guy everybody's worried about now is a left-handed specialist, the guy that comes in and gets that big left-handed bat out and uh... – and they're they're a one batter guy, and people think that 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 player's in trouble. What advice would you give to those left-handed specialists to try and keep them on rosters? Well, they better find a way to get right-handed hitters out because if they don't, and typically uh, the common denominator there is the changeup. I mean, because that's a pitch that you can get right-handers off balance with. You can have some success when they see those cummy tummers coming up there, them soft tossers. All those right-handers do is just get closer to the dish and dare those guys to come inside with it. So if they can't move it both ways, if they can't change it up, they're going to have trouble, big-time trouble. And I think for the athletics, 
You know, when you have a quiet off season, it's really, really nice. We've talked to David Forrest about this on the David Forrest Show, about not having to remake a whole starting staff, not having to, like, go out and find a bunch of guys just to fill the roster, that your core is here. You know, when, when you go into spring training and your number one question is just second base, that is good to know. But you got a lot of different guys with the possibilities of playing second base. How, how, do, you, how do you handicap that fight? Well, I think because you have so many guys out there fighting, you got five viable guys who could possibly come up with that job, uh, and rightfully so, because they've all shown a sample size somewhere along the line that they deserve an opportunity. Guys that have been on the roster and a couple of guys that they've added. So, I mean, competition is great. I think people who have been A's fans for at least the past 10 years have got an opportunity to see what's been going on here for the past at least four. Because if you look at the group of kids that have come up over the past four years, they've been pretty much a part of a group of kids who played together in the minor leagues, who've won together, who've lost together, who've learned together, have been mentored together, have spent a lot of time together. And you talk about culture. That's how you build culture, by keeping guys together, playing together, pulling together, this is the big leagues, and a lot of these guys are thinking about their welfare, how they're going to take care of their families and their families and their uh, families on top of families. So a lot of times there could be a little individuality as far as attitude is concerned, but you notice when you interview these kids, they are so well-rounded and they've been prepared, and they truly, they truly pull for the other guys on their team, and you just don't find that much at the big league level like you do with this group, and they're going to be special for a while. So when you start talking about, only have to make it one or two moves. That's a great thing because all you're doing is tweaking a little bit. I started with the Atlanta Braves, County back in 1993 when I started scouting. And that was one remarkable thing about that organization is that they just kept the meter moving. When one guy left, there was one guy to step in, and that was all due to great scouting. And they kept depth in the organization. Right now, that's what the A's are trying to continue to create, and right now you're seeing that sample at the big league level. What is it like evaluating a guy in spring training and you know he's out of options and you like him? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, either he's going to make your club or he's going to bring you some of value. And that's the position that you want that kid to be in because now his back is in a, in a corner. Uh, he's got to fight his way out. And you get a chance to see what he's made of. Everybody that's not blessed with the opportunity, you know, after three options, you make the big league club and everything is happy ever after. Some guys have to fight for everything that they get. If you've been around long enough to run out of options, that means that you've been doing enough to keep the club's eyes on you and wonder when you're going to mature into that player that they thought that you were, that you could be when they acquired you. So it's a good problem to have. Uh, if you're worried about it, but a lot of times the guy's out of options and you don't expect him to make your club anyway, he makes it a lot easier on you. You know, the baseball obviously was the talk of 2019. When you're evaluating people and you're seeing that ball flying out of the ballpark and it's going further and further and further and, you know, pitchers talked about it, it's like throwing a, it's like throwing a cue ball. What's it like evaluating talent when you know you got to juice baseball? Well, after a while, when you see certain guys hitting the ball where normally slobber mouth guys hit the ball, you know something is wrong. If it's in the ozone, uh, if it's in the atmosphere, uh, most of the time it's in the balls. There were a time when the bats were juiced up a little bit. But then you just take it and you look at it and you, you look at the body work of the whole league. I think – 
You don't want to grade on a curb, if you will. But if you've got guys' numbers that are elevated that have not been doing that in the past and it's just not a customary to see a little dude going opposite field six or seven rows up a tank man that just don't happen you know something is different you see the home run numbers are up you see the uh strikeout and walk numbers have changed so it's something different with the baseball but i hope major league baseball makes some changes because you want the game to be fair you don't want the guys that came before these guys and their numbers can be wrecked when they did it with a ball that was much different. And the game has definitely changed, and I know that, and we have to live with that. But we do want to keep the game uh, realistic for sure. Yeah, two uh, more than 2,000 home runs at AAA last year to set the record. And you got some good pitchers. It's tough to evaluate. Guy's got a 7 ERA. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but it's tough to evaluate pitchers, and they could be really good pitchers, but they got like seven ERAs down in AAA. Well, that depends on who's looking, Tony. You know, because now you said there's one thing when you have throwers, and there's another thing when you have pitchers. And everything, the numbers don't always show everything, especially when you're talking about in the Coast League, because the numbers are elevated. But when I'm looking at guys that can pitch, they're just not a guy up there that's trying to light up the radar gun and before a catch ball even gets in the catcher's glove, he's looking at the radar gun to see how hard he's throwing. I'm looking at guys that keep guys off balance, guys that can read barrels. They're guys that have great sequences, uh, could read swings, uh, can change speeds, can add a little bit, can take a little bit off. Like they're in command and in control. When you're in the Coast League and you see guys hit good pitches out of the ballpark, you understand the element and what's going on there. But that, I think what you say there, to me, that's the thing that's missing the most in the game that I miss when you start talking about pitchers and throwers. Sure, everybody's throwing 96 to 97 to 98 miles per hour, but how many times have you left the ballpark and said, man, what a great pitching performance we got out of our starting pitcher tonight? And that's what I miss in the game. Yeah, what what happened? I mean, 94, 95 was blowing smoke. There was just very few guys that could get upper 90s, and now everybody's throwing upper 90s. What happened in the game that allowed all these guys to be able to do this? Well, power became premium, and everybody's looking for power arms. And it's just amazing how many power arms we have, but we also have had 9 zillion Tommy John surgeries. Something is wrong here. You know, and I'll, I'll always go back to my early scouting days where I uh, learned how to scout. And I think about the staff that we had over there with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, uh, Tom Avery. Uh, these guys, Greg Maddox could throw 93-94 if he wanted to. But all he did was win 15 games, 15 years in a row to back it up with 15 gold gloves because he had that application. You know what I mean? He knew when he let go of it, he knew where it was going to go. And he knew if they made contact, he knew where they were going to hit it. So he wasn't out there huffing and puffing and blowing his arm out. I don't think I've seen a dude with ice on his arm. But all he did was every fifth day go out there and give you six, seven, eight innings. And before you know it, he had 30-something starts. Now if you see a guy get 30-something starts in the big leagues, you're going to see what, ask what's wrong with that dude, find out what's wrong with his arm because they just don't do that anymore. But power is premium, and for some reason, guys just are not – you just don't find a lot of guys who can pitch, man. How many new suits are we going to see this year on NBC Sports California? Well, County, 
If my bingo numbers come in, you may see a few. If not, you'll see something tailored up, cuz. But it's going to be something fresh. You know that. <laughs> hey, because if, if you don't look good, you can't play good. Oh, man, look here, man. I'm looking so forward to the season, man. Um, with the Oakland A's organization I've done this year during the off season, and all the things that they're trying to do to make this brand as good as any in the game, and us former players that are getting an opportunity to continue to be a part of it. You know, uh, Matt Langston and his crew this year took over the A's fantasy camp for the first time, and he had a group of kids that had never done this ever. And I've been a part of the A's fantasy camp under the, under the name of Dave Henderson for the past nine years. And uh, rest his soul, he did such a tremendous job of keeping that thing going, man. We love Dave Henderson. We're thinking about you every day, bro. But those kids and his crew came in and did such a tremendous job, and especially with some of the guys like Jason Giambi, who had not spent time in the fantasy camp before. Vita Blue was there this year with Dave Stewart and Burt Campanaris, uh, Dallas Braden. Man, we had such a tremendous time. And I think it's just so much of a, a, a reflection of, of the new life um, that they're doing with this club, man. So, Ace fan, uh, go out, get your gear, get ready, man. It's going to be a great year, and we're going to bust some heads in them Houston Astros because you know they got a headache right now anyway. So we just go keep it beating for sure. You know, some people just fit, right? It's just the right fit. I think about you. I think about the Oakland Athletics. It's just the right fit at this point in your career. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. I, you know, I truly feel, and I've told you this over many times, and I, I am so blessed to be in the position I am. To grow up in the Bay Area, idolizing Oakland A's players, uh, pulling for the team, watching them win World Series, and to be drafted by the club and make it to the big leagues and just do all the things that that organization allowed me to do. Man, if you cut me, it's going to be blood on the outside, but if you stick me deep enough, man, green and gold just going to gush out, man, and, I, and I'm just – Truly, truly, truly blessed and uh, thankful for everything that they do for me with that organization, man. You are the best. We'll see you down in Arizona. Man, I'm looking forward to it, bro. <laughs> All right, Tony. Have a great one, man. Thanks for having me. Take care, Shooty. Well, thank you for listening to uh, A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We want to thank Steve Garvey, Bradford Doolittle, Lou Maloney, and Shooty Babbitt. Now back to A's cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.